0: Well, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Get started. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come to you right now, Lord and Father. I come mainly for myself right now. I ask that you just send your Holy Spirit, anoint me to speak, Father, as I ought to speak, and help me to just uh, speak in a bold and clear fashion, Father, that anyone here would be able to clearly understand what it is that you want to get across to them tonight, and that your Word would go forth, Lord and that it would just bless the hearts of those here. But Lord, I also come to you on behalf of them. Father, I ask that you just begin to prepare their hearts and minds right now, even before I begin to speak this word, Lord, that that your Holy Spirit begin to work in them, and that you would open their mind to understanding, Lord, that they'd be able to understand this word, Lord, and apply it in their life. And Lord, I ask that you just let your Holy Spirit flow freely right now. I bind the hand of Satan as he would try to hinder anything that you would try to do tonight. And Lord, I just ask that you just have your way in everything. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Thank you. Amen. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The title of the message tonight is Our Spiritual Armor. (coughs) And I thought it would be good to kind of go through and examine the spiritual armor tonight. And you know it's easy to read these scriptures sometime and not really get a good full understanding in depth of what was intended. You know some of these things meant something to people then that don't really mean much to us now in context and uh, so you kind of have to put yourself in their in their shoes and understand what it was they were going through and the things that that were important to them then, and some of these things just don't have any place in today's life in terms of uh, the references that are used. So when you understand what was meant by them then, you can apply it easily to your life then. Let's start in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." That's the purpose of the armor of God right there. So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now let's talk about this verse. <clears throat> this girdle of truth, as it's referred to here. You know a girdle, I'll tell you what, let me just move down here a little bit. Not that I'm not going to preach, but this is almost more of teaching. So I want to be down here with you guys and not have to go back and forth. <clears throat> this girdle of truth, I want you to think of this girdle in terms of like, you ever worn a back brace? You got this thing that comes around you and usually has Velcro in the front. You know, people use this a lot of times when they work in like a warehouse environment, something like that. What is the point behind that? It's to provide stability and strength. See, when you have something around you that that binds you up, it gives your body something to, to kind of work against. It gives you some sort of leverage. It gives you strength where you have weakness without it. So this girdle of truth that this scripture talks about, it's telling you that the very thing you need to be bound with and, and based upon is true. You know, there's something else about this girdle that he's talking about here. This girdle was what the rest of the armor attached to and hung off of. You know, everything tied in with this girdle. Amen. So everything in our Christian life, in our, our spiritual armor, needs to be... Tied into truth. You see, if there's any deception in us, there's any form of lie or deceit, that's going to bring weakness to the rest of our armor. So before we go into anything else, we need to understand that truth is the basis of our spiritual armor. It's what everything else is connected to. The next thing he talks about is the the breastplate of righteousness. Now this breastplate, y'all have all seen movies and things where these soldiers had on armor. I mean, all of us have seen that. And you know that the breastplate is, is probably the biggest piece of armor, single piece that you attach to your body. And it covers all of your vital organs. You know, if somebody wants to walk up with a sword and just chop at you and hit that breastplate, chances are they would not be able to injure you inside. They may break a bone, but they're not going to puncture in and, and hurt you in any way like that. Amen. So this breastplate of righteousness, you know, as I was thinking about this, what is that righteousness? That righteousness, you know, is not our own righteousness. You see, as when we become Christians... It's not our righteousness that matters. You know, you can do everything in this world right that you want to do, but the Word tells us that our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. Now, do you want to put filthy rags on when you're going into battle? No, that breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness that Jesus supplies, you see. When we become a Christian, we ask Jesus into our heart. That's not just a... That's not just a a funny thing to say. It doesn't just sound good. The thing is, when He comes in, that righteousness that He has is imputed to us. It's put on our account. So when God looks at us now, He doesn't see our filthy rags. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, is what protects our vital organs. It's attached to truth. I want you all to really understand this thing. It's easy to read this scripture and think, oh, that sounds nice. But you need to really see. This is what understanding the Word is about. is, is picking it apart. Finding out what was intended when it was wrote. The good thing about this righteousness is that because it's not ours, we have no reason to, be, to exalt ourselves. Because this is Jesus' righteousness, we are able to stay humble. Because it's, if it weren't for Him and what He did, where would we be? We'd still have the filthy rags. Let's go on to verse 15. Ephesians 6 and 15. And your feet shod with the preparation... Of the gospel of peace. Now, what does that mean? Some of y'all know, may know what the word shod means. It's the same as shoed, that's right. It means to have the preparation of the gospel of peace as your shoes. Now, what does that mean? See, this is, I don't know about y'all. Maybe y'all don't have any trouble with this. This stuff doesn't make any sense to me. You see, when I, was, when I was brought up, I was not brought up in a time when I needed to understand what any of these kind of words meant. They don't apply to my life. So I have to, I have to dig in and find out what it means and how, how this affects my life because I know the word never changes. It doesn't matter what the terms used are. As I did some studying, I found that this uh, verse is not really referring to being prepared, so to speak. It's really referring more to a foundation. You know, we talked a little bit about that today. It's referring to preparation of a foundation. You see, when when you have a solid foundation you have something firm you can stand on, then you can fight. Now think about this for a minute. Where would you rather fight? Would you rather fight standing on solid, firm, level ground? Or would you rather fight on the side of a hill where it's muddy and slippery and everything else? Oh man, I want the best footing I can get. And I want to be able to kind of maybe dig my feet in a little bit and get some good traction and be able to push myself forward and attack somebody. You know what I mean? Anybody that's ever had any kind of fight, or even maybe if you was trying to push something or whatever, you want some good solid ground, something to stand on that's going to be able to keep you in one place and move forward, not slip backwards. Y'all ever tried to push a truck out of a mud hole? Well, it's tough, ain't it? It's slippery. But if you can ever get your foot buried in somewhere where it ain't going to slide backwards, you got something to push against, you got a whole lot better shot of moving it. Well, see, this is talking about preparing yourself in the gospel to the extent that you have a solid foundation to work off of. See, going and witnessing and preaching to people. Yeah, you need to be prepared and and understand what you're going to say to them. But that's not really what this is about. What this is talking about, the whole thing is about spiritual warfare, you see. What it's talking about is having a solid foundation so that when you are attacked, you've got something firm to stand on. Now, how does that apply in our lives? Well, I'm going to break this down real simple. I want everybody to be able to understand. If you don't have a solid foundation of the Word in your life, and Satan attacks, and he's going to attack, I promise you, you won't know what's right and what's wrong. You, when he comes to you, because see, Satan is sneaky. Satan knows what the Word says. He knows what God has told you. And he will try to twist and convert convert that into something that almost sounds right. See, but when you have a solid foundation, preparation in the gospel, you'll recognize it. What did I tell you back at the beginning up there? This armor is so that you can, what... In verse 11, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And when you have a solid foundation of preparation in the gospel, you can stand. you got something to stand on. You see, there ain't nothing I can stand on in this life, this spiritual life, other than the Word of God. You know, these these things all, these are analogies, and it's sometimes hard to, bring it home and understand how this really works. But the bottom line is, if you don't know the Word of God, you'll fall for anything. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, this verse tells you that the shield of faith is one of the most important. The shield of faith, as it says, enables you to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, what are those fiery darts? Well, those fiery darts, I want you to think back. I know all of you have been. Everybody has. Think back to a time when you were fighting some sort of temptation And every time you turn around, Satan was throwing it in your face. And every time you turn around, it seems like you can't think about nothing else except that thing you're tempted to do. See, those are fiery darts. The Scripture tells you the only defense you have that can quench those fiery darts is your shield of faith. Now, I want you all to understand something about this. We all know what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We all know that by the the little bit of faith, the the size of a grain of mustard seed, that you can move mountains. But I want you all to understand something about this shield of faith tonight. I want you to understand that when you have a shield, it only protects one side. Now what does that tell you about this fight? It tells you that you have to actively put that shield of faith between you and the enemy. You see, those fiery darts are going to come at you, but just having faith does not quench them. You see, I believe God. I have faith that God is going to move in my life But it takes action on my part. You see, I have to pick up that shield and I have to say, Satan, no. I have to block him. I have to put it between me and him. So when he's coming at me with a temptation, what do I have to do? I have to put something between me and him. To me, that's the Word of God. I begin to quote the Word of God to Satan. I begin to remind him of what the Word says. I begin to tell Him and remind Him what His future is and and His place in regards to me. What did Jesus tell Him? He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. That's where His place is. Behind me. Not in front of me. Not blocking my path. Not shooting fiery darts at me. But it's that shield of faith. You see, it takes an active uh, effort on our part. It takes exercising your faith, putting it into action. James said, faith without works is dead. So it takes it takes some action on your part. Just having faith in your life is not enough. Let's go on to verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now the helmet of salvation... Is to cover your head. I mean, everybody knows that. That's what you do with a helmet. You put it on your head. Why? It protects you. You fall down, hit your head, it don't hurt as bad. It don't send you to the hospital. Somebody comes up and hits you in the back of the head with a club. It doesn't damage your brain. So how does that apply? Well, it's the helmet of salvation. That salvation that, you know, when we first come to No, Jesus as our Savior, we receive salvation. Salvation is is this redemption. It it brings us to a place where we are somewhere we could not obtain. We're saved from the fire, so to speak. That salvation is related to our heads in this Scripture. It's the knowledge of salvation that reassures us of who we are helps us to steer clear of false doctrines. You know, if you know who you are in Jesus, you know what your salvation means to you, and if somebody begins to tell you something that contradicts that salvation, there ought to be just red lights going off all over the place. The sword of the Spirit. It's our only spiritual weapon. Now, why do you think we only have one weapon? Because it's enough. You don't need no other weapon. You see, the, the Word of God is, is the only weapon you need. Because you're not fighting physical battles. You know, you can take this Bible and hit somebody with it, and it might hurt them. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual battle. And the only weapon you need to fight Satan is the Word of God. The Word tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. See, the sword of the Spirit, without the sword of the Spirit, we have no form of offense. Now, I want you to think about this. You can take the best defense you've got. If you don't have any way to fight back, that defense is going to eventually be weakened. You know, I saw this video one time. This this crazy guy took a a big, huge—I don't even know the model number—a big, huge bulldozer. Leader can probably tell us which one it was, but it's—I mean—just monstrous. And like I said, he's crazy. He took all this sheet metal. I'm talking. Half inch or something sheet metal, big, huge, thick plates, and covered the entire tank, uh, uh, dozer with it and made basically a tank out of it. And he left little holes to shoot out of. And he just went through this town just tearing everything up in sight, shooting anybody he could see. He was, he's just out of his mind. I don't even remember what the reason for it all was. And you looking at this thing just ripped through houses and buildings and everything. You think, man, there ain't no way they can stop that thing. And you know, for the longest time, they couldn't. There ain't no telling how many hours he was going through this town just destroying everything he could find. But you need to understand something. He didn't have any form of offense. Yeah, he made a couple holes to shoot from, but let's face it. When you're looking through a hole this big around, you can't see a whole lot. So he was banking everything he had on this sheet metal that was protecting him. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think he, he blew a track or something. Anyway, they were able to get up there and actually get inside the thing and kill him. No, I'm sorry, he killed himself, that's what it was. But it only happened after he got to a point where he couldn't go no more. See, the point is, without an offense, no matter how strong your defense is, how strong that shield of faith is, how, how well covered and protected you are from every side, you've got to have something to keep the enemy at bay. You've got to have something when he gets up close to you that you can strike him and get him to leave. And that is the Word of God. You see, it didn't say that we have the catapult of the Spirit, or the tank of the Spirit, or the nuclear weapons of the Spirit. It said the sword of the Spirit. And I want you to understand how this relates now, because you see, a sword is only good for a short-range weapon. If I had a sword, I couldn't even hit John with it from here. So you see, this tells you that our spiritual warfare is all close quarters combat. Satan is going to come at you and it's going to be close by. He don't fight you from a distance. It's going to be a personal conflict when he comes and attacks you. You see, his, his device is are always personal things. It's always something that He knows you are weak in. It's always something aimed at you. Some area that you have a problem, whatever it may be. Maybe you have trouble being angry. You just want to jump on somebody every time somebody says something to you. Maybe you got a problem with lust. Or lying or stealing, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Satan knows. He's gonna figure it out. He's gonna figure out well, I can't get him this way, but if I come around this side over here and I use this little thing to get in, I can get in there and start separating that armor and sticking. You see, you look at any any army. It doesn't matter who it is. What do they do? They're going to watch. They're going to examine their enemy. They're going to find some way that they are weak. You see, there's no perfect defense. There's always some way that they can get to you. But that's why you have the sword of the Spirit. Because when he gets close enough, you hit him with the word. You say, Satan, the Word says, thus and so. Satan, the Word says, thus and so. You may have to tell him 15 times. You may have to get loud with him. I don't know. Whatever it takes. There's been times i just had to holler at him, Satan, leave me alone. I bind you in the name of Jesus. See, he, Jesus is the one that has the power It's not you. And that almost sounds like a point of weakness to some extent. But what you need to understand is that it's His power, not yours. And that is a source of strength. When you begin to examine the fact that it's the Son of God that conquered Him, not you, you don't have to worry about your fallibilities, your weaknesses, because it's not your weaknesses that matter. It's His armor. What is this called? It's called the armor of God. This is not the armor of Kevin Alfred. This is the armor of God that He supplies for you. And see, if He creates it, it's going to work. But you have got to apply it in your life. You've got to understand what this word means and know how you can use it. You see? Knowing the word I know all these different pieces aren't the Word of God, but I guarantee you they all tie into the Word of God. Knowing what the Word says, how you can talk to Satan, how you can deal with him, how you can rebuke him, how you can tell him, just leave me alone, you don't have any part of me. You see, Satan's a liar. I mean, he will lie to you about anything. He will remind you of your past. He'll tell you what you've done and what, how terrible you used to be. Oh, man, you're just a sorry so-and-so. But all it takes is one time for you to say, yeah, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. By the grace of God, I am an heir to the throne. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You don't have any power over me. I am a child of the living God. You see, when you get a little bit of boldness within you and you begin to tell Satan who you are and remind him who your Father is, he has no choice but to back off. See, when you start swinging a sword at somebody, unless they're just totally stupid, they're going to back up. They don't have no choice. See, I told you another scripture this morning. It says, He that is within you is greater than he that is in the world. Satan understands that. Yeah, he's got fiery darts. He's got weapons to attack you with. But listen, you start to swing that sword of the Spirit at him, his weapons don't compare. Y'all ever seen a movie where somebody swings a sword and somebody else hits it just right and breaks it in half? You know, yeah, that's all movies. Don't go try that. (coughs) But I guarantee you that's how it is. It doesn't matter what kind of weapon Satan brings against you. you Use the sword of the Spirit against him. And it's stronger. It's greater than his weapons. And I'm going to tell you, I've been through times when I was so under temptation of whatever it is. I mean, man, this, this is just the way our life is. We'll hit little places where we don't have any problems and then we hit another place where it seems like I can't get the stuff out of my head. It's like Satan is just attacking and attacking and attacking. I've had times I've had to just quote Scripture to him over and over. The same one, it don't matter. Just keep telling him, keep telling him. He'll leave you alone eventually. Eventually it's going to hurt him enough. He's going to back off. He's going to say, okay, well maybe that's not the best form of attack. You know, sometimes when an army attacks, they get their rear ends kicked. And they say, "Well, maybe we ought not try that again. Let's try something different." Sometimes you just got to show Satan, "This is not the way you're going to get me." You see, we may lose a little battle every now and then. Ain't nobody perfect. If we can if we can ever keep these things applied in our life, we won't lose a battle. But see, that's the problem is that human side tries to take over. The, the carnal man becomes a little stronger than the spiritual man. And all of a sudden, we're trying to fight a spiritual war with natural fleshly weapons. And this don't that don't happen. You see? There's a division there. The two do not intermix. You can only fight a spiritual war with spiritual weapons.